This podcast is brought to you by Podcast Nation. Hi there, Dr. Jen Lincoln here. I can't come to the phone right now, but we'll likely have an opening later on. Please leave me a message and I'll be at your cervix. I mean, <laughs> service in no time. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Let's Talk About Down There podcast. This is episode 26 and I'm your host, board certified OBGYN, Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. And this week's episode, it's all about period products. So buckle up, get your, I guess, get your pads and your tampons on. Let's get going. <laughs> okay. I think this question came in at an absolutely perfect time because there's been some recent controversy, I guess we'll say in the period products world. So this caller calling in and asking this question was like, give me the perfect opportunity to talk about it. So let's have a listen at our question this week. Hi, Dr. Jen. I was just wondering if you could touch base on some period products. I've been seeing a lot of things out there that we should be looking for organic pads and tampons because of the chemicals in the non-organic versions. Um, and lately, I've also been hearing about other products like the menstrual cup and the menstrual disc. So I was just wondering if you could just provide your thoughts on these products and if organic is necessary or if the regular versions are fine. Love your podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for saying you love my podcast. It's stuff like this that makes me so happy and excited to do this. So this question is great because it asks a few different aspects of period products coming from the, is organic bad? Are chemicals bad? What about other stuff that's out there that maybe we haven't used before and I want to know more about like cups and discs. And so we're going to dive into all of it. I'm super excited. And like I said, such a good question and a timely one, given that there's been some controversy over period underwear recently with a lawsuit. Maybe you've heard about it. Maybe you haven't. But by the end of this episode, you're going to know what do you really need to worry about and what other stuff can you just let go? So first, let's hit all the period products that are out there because I feel like it used to be very simple. You used to use a pad or a tampon and that was it. And now there's other stuff on the market. And I love that. Let me be clear. I love the fact that we have more options, but it can also make what already feels like a somewhat overwhelming situation, especially if you've just gotten your period or maybe worse yet, if you're trying to go out and buy products for your daughter or your partner, it can be really overwhelming that aisle. Now, let's be real. It usually is called the feminine hygiene aisle, and there's a lot of junk in there, like stuff from Vagisil and Summer's Eve and, and other companies that make these quote-unquote feminine hygiene products like washes and douches and sprays, and we hate that. And yes, I've got other episodes on that, so feel free to have a listen on why the feminine hygiene aisle sucks overall. But usually these period products are in the same aisle or across from it, and so sometimes you think that it's all the same thing, and it's not. But you walk down that aisle, and there's like so many products, right? There's pads and there's different kinds of pads, different absorbencies, different companies, even within companies, different types of products. There's the regular, then we throw in the organic, then you've got the tampons, there's the liners. What do you need? What's the flow? And it can be a lot. So let's break it down. So I'm going to start off with what probably most of us use when we first got our periods. And a lot of us still use our pads. Pads are really cool. There's lots of different kinds. What I will tell you is that the one thing that I will say is a must have when it comes to a pad is that it's unscented or has no fragrances because there is no reason that your vulva needs to smell like a morning rose bush. I don't even know what a morning rose bush is. But anyway, the point is, is that you don't need weird funky scents 
that make you think that your vagina and your vulva are supposed to smell a certain unnatural way. And also those can be really irritating to the sensitive vulvar skin. So there's all different kinds of pads out there, wings, no wings. I was always a wings girl. And I think what I do want to highlight is that when I'm saying pads, most of us think of, you know, the always pads, the disposable pads, but there are actually reusable pads out there too. And you can find these online. They're becoming definitely more mainstream. And I think it's a cool option if you want to use a pad, but maybe you want something that's a little more environmentally friendly. I get that. Now you might wonder, how the heck does that work? Well, they absorb fluid, just like think of like a cloth diaper, right? When it comes to laundering them, you can read, there's lots of information online about how to do this, but the quick and dirty way to get them quick and clean is soak them in cold water, then rinse off the blood till it runs clear. And then you can hand wash or you can machine wash. Then you need to like stretch them out, put them back into like their original position. So they dry in that original shape and then you can hang to dry. What's important when you're using reusable pads, you know, or anything that may not have the same absorbency and the same wicking away characteristic of a traditional disposable pad, you need to just watch for skin irritation because as you can imagine, it might not wick it away to the center core as much. And so that blood can sit on the surface a bit more and can cause some more skin irritation. So some people do great with disposable pads, super fine. And others, it's just not for them. So just, you know, something to think about as an option. I'm going to move on to tampons next. And when we talk about organic versus conventional, both for pads and tampons, that'll be in the next part here. But moving down the aisle, we're moving now to tampons. And, you know, basically with tampons, if you've used them before, or you know, or if this is the first time you're kind of getting the, the let's talk about tampon down there, you know, masterclass, I guess. Um, the high level overview with tampons is that you basically break them down by applicator type. So you can have the center core, which is usually cotton or cotton and rayon. That's what's absorbing the blood. You insert them. You can either just have the, the tampon itself and you insert it with your finger, no applicator, or it can sit in an applicator, which makes it easier to insert. And the applicator can be plastic or it can be cardboard. And you may choose which one you want to use based on the environmental impact that you feel comfortable with. I will tell you the vast majority of people who use tampons use the ones with plastic applicators because they do feel easier to insert. But if you don't want to do that, maybe you would rather use a cardboard tampon because you really do want to have a less of an environmental impact, but it's a bit tricky to get in. You can put a little bit of lube on the leading edge of that and, and that can help get it in. So just a little food for thought. When people hear about tampons, a lot of them go right to toxic shock syndrome, which is a syndrome that is caused by a bug called Staphylococcus aureus or Staph aureus. This is something that has gotten associated with tampon usage because back in the 80s, there was a few cases, you know, a lot more cases linked to tampon usage. And it was because of the super absorbent type that they were. People were leaving them in too long. So we know that for this reason, we counsel people that when you're using tampons, no matter what kind of tampon it is, that you don't leave it in longer than eight hours because taking them out less than that decreases your risk of toxic shock syndrome. And I know, especially parents out there, they think that this is really a very dangerous thing to use. And so they don't want their kids using them because of this risk of TSS. And I want to hopefully set your mind in a little bit of ease today because it's really important to know that in the United States, toxic shock syndrome, it does happen but it is far more often associated with things other than tampons. So I don't want you to think like use a tampon, get toxic shock. Just follow the instructions, um, use the absorbency that you need, don't use more than you need and remove them less than eight hours. And yes, fun fact, you can sleep with a tampon in as long as you just sleep less than eight hours. And unfortunately, a lot of us do. 
And again, more to come on an organic versus conventional coming. Let's move on to menstrual cups and menstrual discs. And if you haven't heard of these before, these are really cool. And you can find them now like at any grocery store, at Target on Amazon. And what these are, are these are what they sound like, little cups or little flatter discs that go in the vagina and they collect the blood. So think of it like a diaphragm. Most people know what that looks like but it's for your period. This is not for birth control. Let me repeat, do not use your menstrual cup or your menstrual disc thinking that that's going to keep you from getting pregnant. It doesn't work that way. When we think of these two, the vast majority of people think of these as the reusable kind. There's lots of different brands out there, but there are also disposable menstrual discs as well. And these can be awesome for the environment because you're reusing a product, right? You're not putting something in the landfill unless you're using that disposable disc. So but again, most people who use these do use the reusable kind. They can be a bit tricky as you learn how to use them. And I can't really show you on a podcast, but I definitely have lots of social content. And if you Google this, you'll see that there's different shapes of these things and there's different ways that you can fold them up and insert them. And it really is trial and error because there's different shapes and different sizes. Some cups have different shapes as well. And it's sort of a, you know, a guessing game. You know, they'll say, if you have had a kid before or you haven't, you might try this size or that. And really it's just trial and error. This assumes that you have the money to spend on these, right? Because these can be a little spendy. The good news is, is that if you find one you stick with and you use that one for a couple of years, you're definitely saving money in the long run. But just like when I especially had my second kiddo and was trying to get him to take a bottle, I felt like I had to buy a bunch of different bottles and it was really a waste of money because you can't really like return used bottles. So I think a great, if anybody's listening from like the marketing menstrual cup world, I think it would be cool to have like a menstrual cup starter pack where you just include a bunch and like people can try a few different kinds and then maybe you somehow like reimburse them. I don't know. I don't know how this would even make money, but whatever. The point is, is that trial and error can be normal. And it's just sometimes that you figure out what works or what you like or what you don't. The cups oftentimes will have a little stem that is in the vagina and you can use that to remove it. The disc itself is just this flat disc. And again, hard to show you how to remove it when I'm using my words and using my words. Now I sound like a child when I'm doing a podcast, but there's lots of great videos out there to show you how you can reach into the vaginal canal and remove it. The way that you use these is that you sanitize them between periods so you can boil them. And then you can just rinse them off and use soap and water during your period. So you sanitize between cycles, if that makes sense. And there's lots of different washes and cleansers out there. And really, you can just use unscented soap and water, just like the same stuff you would use to clean the outside of your vulva, you can use to clean this. And these are nice because they can stay in place a lot longer, so like up to 12 hours. Of course, this depends on where you're at in your cycle or in your period and how heavy you're bleeding. But it can be really nice for people who let's say, are going on a really long hike or camping. I don't have access to a bathroom. Can't use a tampon because they are going to be out for 10 hours and they want to, you know, be out for a bit longer. Now, it, it is important to note that some people will say, well, if you care about the environment, this is what you'll use. You do have to have access to the ability to clean these and to sanitize in between. So this means that you need to have access to soap and running water. That's important. So it's not for everybody because unfortunately not everybody in the world does have access to that. So it's important to notice our privilege there. The best way to start using these is to practice when you're not on your period. So you can use a little lube and you can just practice and get used to how it feels. And then you can maybe use it on the tail end of your period. So if it happens to leak, it's just a little bit and you can put a liner or a pad underneath. And then you can kind of graduate it and you know and go from there but it's not uncommon for it to be a bit trial and error 
I have heard some people think that these are associated with more infections and a riskier chance of toxic shock syndrome. It's absolutely not true. It's actually the same, maybe even a little less than tampons. So I don't want you to have that be a reason that you stay away from them if you're worried about that. One thing I will say, other than that these are not for birth control, is that these can actually mess with your birth control and one specific type, and that's the IUD or the intrauterine device. And studies have shown that there's an increased risk of the IUD coming out or expulsion with the use of these menstrual cups or discs. It is, some people think that it's because when you're removing the cup or the disc, you might actually snag and grab onto the string of the IUD that's hanging out of the cervix and into the vagina. But we actually think it potentially could also be related to the suction from when it's in place. I have heard people say, well, how can that be? Because I break the suction of the cup before I remove it. So why would it suck out the IUD? The concern may be that there's that gentle suction there the whole time and it's slowly displacing and leading to expulsion of the IUD. So if you are really wanting to use a cup anyway, number one, know that you have an increased risk of your IUD coming out. Number two, know that this is probably only really an issue if you're using the copper or the paragard IUD because with the progesterone IUDs, periods are often really decreased or absent. So you might not even need a, a cup. And number three, if you're gonna choose it, consider sticking with a disc, which doesn't have that suction component as opposed to a cup and be really cognizant and aware of that string and not pulling it out. So just to know that. That's sort of our cup and disc tutorial and concludes this portion of the period product talk. Now, moving on to period underwear. These are underwear that you know, they absorb the period blood. I used to think there were only reusable ones out there. And then I went down that aisle, actually, it was during making a vlog about period products for my YouTube channel. And I saw that there were disposable period underwear. And I thought, oh, that's cool. It's like a pad with underwear. Okay. But most people, when they're thinking of period underwear, they think of the disposable kind. And this is underwear that you wear. It's reusable. You clean in kind of the same way about disposable pads. This can be really cool, especially for younger people who might be thinking their period's coming soon and they're afraid they're going to get their period at school and they don't want to accidentally bleed and get a stain on their clothes so they can wear period underwear. Brands out there like Thinks, there's lots of other different brands, but Thinks is also the company that was involved in a wee bit of controversy, which again, we will we will chat about soon. Okay, the last two things I'm going to talk about with period products are ones maybe you... One I definitely don't recommend and one I have a a wee bit of a concern of. So one option is free bleeding, which is that you don't wear anything and you just bleed. And this is obviously a biohazard concern if you're out in public and, you know, blood is a bodily fluid that can spread bloodborne pathogens and diseases. So not a fan of that. But if you're in your own house and you want to, okay, go for it. And the, the last one are sponges. So This could be a clitorally segment, but I've got others (laughs) coming up. Um, But yeah, we're talking about sponges from the sea, a natural sea sponge, quote unquote, a natural period product. Unfortunately, you can find these sold on Amazon and Etsy, and it's a terrible idea. So it's a sponge from the sea that was then trimmed, and they say washed and cleaned. But when these period sponges placed in the vagina to absorb the blood, just like you might think, When they looked at these under the microscope, they found sand, they found rocks, they found the bacteria that causes toxic shock syndrome, Staph aureus, and there's no way to sanitize these, right? It's not like you can sterilize them. You can throw them in boiling water. You can clean them in the same way in a dishwasher. Like it just doesn't work that way because it's a sponge, it would degrade. So please, 
I know that we're talking about organic and natural, and that's the whole really point of this whole episode getting kicked off with that question. And here's one I can unequivocally tell you. Your vagina doesn't want a sponge in it. No, I don't care how natural it is. Like, no, just no. Okay. Okay. So we're going to move on to organic or not to organic, your tampons or pads. Um, and this is a question I've gotten a lot. And so I'm super excited to answer it on the podcast for the first time. And the answer is like, do you need organic products? No, you don't need them. Do you want to use them? Sure. Go for it. Like it's not going to harm you probably. What I do have concerns about is how the organic industry especially has made it feel like you do need it. And that if you don't use these products, you are causing harm to your body. And what does that cause us? A lot of guilt and stress. And I don't know about you. I have enough of that. And I think that there's enough of that already pushed onto us as women and people with a vagina. We're constantly being made to feel like we have to do everything just perfectly and just right. And the clean makeup and the clean natural sunscreen and the organic food and the wooden toys for our kids. And just like everything has to be perfect in a world where it's really hard to do that. It's also really expensive. So does this matter? Because like probably a lot of you out there listening, if I have found that something is really important, like the data is out there, absolutely. I will find a way. I will prioritize it. I'll prioritize using my mental space on it. I will prioritize spending my dollars on it, but I'm not going to do it if it's based in garbage. And that's something that I want to talk about today. So let's talk about the claims of like what organic tampons and pads are, and then have a quick reality check because I think that can help us. So what you see out there, what a lot of these organic companies will claim is that, especially organic tampons, they have fewer chemicals like dioxins than conventional tampons. And what are dioxins? We know these are bad chemicals, right? These are cancer-causing chemicals. They're known as endocrine disruptors. And if I heard that, I would say, yeah, I don't want dioxins in my tampons. Here's a fun fact, though. You are exposed to really, really, really low, 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 low levels of dioxins in both kinds of tampons, both organic and conventional. And do you want to know where you're actually getting exposed to dioxins every day? Like hundreds of thousands times higher amounts in like the food that you eat every day and just the environment. So I am not saying we shouldn't try to decrease our level of dioxin exposure, but your tampons being the major source of it and one that you should be the entire reason that you should choose organic is Probably completely negligible and it's a marketing ploy. I have seen some claims, thankfully, I have not seen these as frequently. I feel like this is going by the wayside, but the idea that organic tampons have a lesser risk of toxic shock syndrome, completely false. But good news is I'm not really seeing that in the marketing. But a big one that I am seeing and that we do see all the time is that organic tampons are better for you because they're better for the environment, right? We hear organic just close your mind and think of the companies that come to mind when you hear organic, right? And you see their marketing and it's the earth and it's sunshine and it's green grass and it's blue skies and it's like puppies and kittens and rainbows and little kids running free in a field. All imagery that I 100% love. But here's the thing. I can't really say that organic tampons are better for the environment for a couple of reasons is that number one, a lot of organic crops require more land to grow on, more water. And a lot of times that means more labor. And sometimes that means that these products come from farther away because since we need all more of these things in order to do it more cheaply, we do it farther away from the United States. So that's not really the whole story when they say it's better for the environment. And then the other big thing that people say about organic tampons is that, well, it's less or no pesticide exposure. Here's the situation, my friends. 
all crops are grown with pesticides unless they explicitly say pesticide free. So organic does not mean pesticide free. What it almost always means is that they're using organic pesticides and organic pesticides are still pesticides. And these pesticides are often used in a higher level because they need more of them to be as effective as conventional pesticides. And I am not here like a shill for, you know, pesticides and chemicals and all that thing. I'm just giving you the reality that organic has been co-opted as this term to mean natural and better. And that's not always the case. So I would love, you know, to have them be more clear and say, yeah, these are crops that are grown with no pesticides. But also at the end of the day, does this matter? Because all tampons, organic and conventional, have to be free of pesticides before they are approved by the FDA. Let me say that again. Any tampon that you're putting in your body has to be certified as being free of pesticides through the processing process. So again, multiple levels of nuance here. Organic crops still use organic pesticide. And at the end of the day, all tampons have to be free of pesticides. So again, this is, this is a big marketing thing. And so all of this probably sounds really confusing, right? Because of what we've been led to believe with marketing, because we're made to think that natural is always better and chemicals are evil. But remember, even water is a chemical. Everything's a chemical. And it's even more so confusing when companies offer these and make these claims. And I want to show one in particular that kind of drives me crazy. So Tampax, which is like the number one tampon brand out there. And back when I used to have periods, I don't anymore because I have Marina IUD. But back when I did, that's the brand of tampons I used. They now have their own organic tampon line called Tampax Pure Cotton. And they say it contains 100% organic cotton core free of dyes, fragrances, and chlorine bleaching. And this claim of being free of chlorine bleaching is what's leading us to this week's class is in session. So let's take a moment to head to school for this week's class is in session, where we hit up this week's teachable moment. Welcome to the health class I am certain you did not have in high school. So this week's teachable moment is what's up with these chlorine claims in tampons? So you will see lots of products out there that still reference chlorine bleaching in tampons. And it is true. Companies used to use chlorine gas to bleach the rayon in the tampons in order to purify them. But this was stopped in the 1990s. And why? Because they wanted to decrease the production of dioxin pollutants in the environment. I just talked about dioxins, how they're not great. Companies realized that when they were doing this chlorine bleaching, they were making a lot of this pollutant. And so they stopped. However, bleaching still happens, and it's not to whiten the tampon. It's actually to rid the cotton and the rayon of impurities, but they don't use chlorine anymore. I have no idea why Tampax is making this claim on their organic line of tampons that it's free of chlorine bleaching other than, you guessed it, marketing. And it's really weird when they do that and they also sell a conventional product. Like, do they think that we're not going to figure that out. So now anytime you see a product that says free of chlorine bleaching or your friend or somebody on social media says, well, these tampons are dangerous because they use chlorine bleaching. Yeah, none on the market do. And now you know, and now you're going to get an A plus in the history of tampons. Class dismissed. Okay, so let's talk about why you even had this question in the first place, right? Like organic, natural, what should I be using? It's because of what you've seen and what you've heard, right? Speaking of marketing, I want you to know this. I think this really helps set the stage of like why we're going where we are and why you think you need what you do. The organic personal care product industry 
was a $3.7 billion industry in 2021 in the United States alone. That's some good money, right? They make money, this entire industry, whether it's feminine hygiene stuff, period products, shampoos, makeups, cleaning supplies, they make money when you think organic is better. And as I have already said, just in talking about tampons alone, it's not always a science-based claim, but man, it makes money, right? Because what is almost always more expensive at the store? The organic version. And we have been just in the world that we live in. I mean, me too. When we see something that's more expensive, you think it's more valuable. And in this situation, it's really not. So let's dive into what we see on the websites to better understand how this marketing is just baked into everything. So they all say, they all say this, free from fragrances, dyes, sometimes they'll say pesticides. And it's true, if a product is truly grown with no pesticides, that's legit. But if they are just saying free from conventional pesticides, remember, they're still using organic pesticides. And they all say free from chlorine bleaching. Now I love, yes, free from fragrances. Okay, sure. Free from dyes, whatever, that's fine too. I mean, honestly, sometimes dyes, we know extra additives can cause extra irritation. But all of these pretty much say this. And then we've already talked about the whole chlorine bleaching debacle. So these are all the same like in all unscented conventional products. So like, why is this such a big deal that they shout this on every box? We've already talked about Tampax and what kind of confuses me about them. Let's talk about what Cora tampons say. And this is a brand that you can buy online and who knows where else. They say comfortable tampons made with organic cotton, made without pesticides, dioxins, fragrance, or chlorine, right? Sounds cool. Again, they still contain organic pesticides. So that's a bit misleading. It's not really a lie, but they could be saying it better. Seventh Generation says that it's, you know, this all natural product, but they use hydrogen peroxide to bleach their tampons. Again, I don't think that using hydrogen peroxide to bleach tampons to rid it of impurities so that you don't get sick when you use their product is a bad thing. I just think that we hear chemical words and we have just been taught that chemicals must be bad. And I don't think they are all bad. You know, they all have a, a purpose and the dose makes the poison and the route and the exposure. And so I just think that for companies that have all this imagery of like natural and nothing else, like, yeah, it's on your ingredient list. So let's just be real. Okay. And then lastly, L tampons. I mean, this brand of tampons got into a wee bit of hot water, which I'll get into more in a little bit in this week's clitorally segment. But these L tampons, which are shown to be organic and natural, I mean, they have chemicals in them too, like glycerin and titanium dioxide. So why do these companies do this? Why do they make organic products and then put so much into the marketing? Because of money, y'all. It's all about making money. I mean, it's a billion dollar industry. This is why we see celebrities like Gwyneth Paltrow and other celebrities who just dive so deep into this. And then we think, well, they're leading this beautiful, perfect lifestyle. I trust them. They must have my best interest at heart. I mean, they maybe they do, but they're also making money off you. And I do. I get the desire to want to be using less chemicals. Like I said, I don't use nonstick pans. I don't reheat my foods in plastics because I, we have very clear data to show that that kind of exposure that's a lot. But I'm not going to just across the board think that natural is always better, organic is always better, unless you have the data to show that to me. So 
if you at the end of the day would sleep better using an organic tampon because you just feel like you're worried about, go for it, go for it. You're not harming anybody. Like just do it. But just know that these feelings can be based on guilt-based marketing and this adds undue stress. And when we do support these companies, we are sort of giving them a thumbs up and being like, it's working. So a lot, there's a lot. Never, never realized all the things that were that go into like picking out a tampon. You're just trying to go down the aisle and be like, I'm bleeding and I just need a tampon and like all these things behind it. And it, it kind of pisses me off that this is all the stuff that's hoisted upon us. Wasted or foisted? Either way, it's put upon us when it comes to figuring out what our period products are. So speaking of stress, I want to jump into the recent period underwear controversy. But before I do so, let's have a moment for this week's Clitorally segment where I'm busting common myths and misconceptions and clitorally and literally saying, please, can we stop? This video is not meant to freak you out in any way. And it's not to say to stop doing what you're doing. I truly want to empower you and show you what is going on. Tampons these days are toxic to the body. Most tampons contain titanium dioxide, and this is simply to make them white, but it's poison to our bodies. I'm sure you guys have seen the trending video. I'm going to show you what tampons you should get and what ones you shouldn't get. These ones you should get 100% organic. There's nothing else in them. You want to look for 100% organic ones. This applies for pads as well. This brand is called Nature Care, and I will link it in my bio for you. This is a brand you would not want to get, as well as this one. And it says 100% organic, but it's not. It has titanium dioxide in it. Just be aware of what you're putting in your bodies because we are putting these products in places that are the most sensitive, the most absorbent, and it really matters. Your health is your wealth, baby. Okay, so she said this video is not meant to freak you out, but I think that it probably is freaking people out because there's a lot of incorrect things. And this is just a you know normal TikToker. This was from you know about 10 months ago when this whole titanium dioxide situation happened, which I'll chat about. Um, it got 224,000 views. So that's a lot. And there's a lot in this video. So what happened was when this video was made, there was this trending TikTok that quote unquote called out the brand L, L tampons about using titanium dioxide and panic ensued all across the world. And here's the situation. So like she said, there was this viral video about titanium dioxide being in a tampon. It scared a lot of people because when you Google titanium dioxide, you see that it's linked with cancer. And here's the thing that got lost in all of these shenanigans was that, yes, there was titanium dioxide in this tampon, but it was in the string, not a part that ever went in your body. You can't get sick from something that your body is not actually exposed to. It just doesn't work that way. And when we dive more into how titanium dioxide causes cancer, there's nothing linked to it from tampon use. Now, the way that it has been linked with cancer was through inhaling it. And these are only in animal studies. We don't have any human data. So it was through inhaling high levels. And anybody who's ever had any sort of scientific background knows that the dose makes the poison and the route matters, which means that you can be exposed to something on your skin, for example. And it's very different if you ingested it, right? I think that makes sense. So titanium dioxide is actually a compound that we see all around us. It's in sunscreens. It's in toothpaste. It's in the strings of our tampons. Now, why is it there to whiten the strings? I don't really know how useful it is. I would imagine that a company wouldn't just waste money on something if it didn't potentially do something to help the integrity of the string, but I cannot comment on that. But what I can say is that how she says tampons are toxic, it's false. How she says she's not here to freak you out. Well, she probably did. And that just saying that there's a chemical in there and it's bad and that you should go for 100% organic. Well, I've 
kind of spent a lot of time explaining why organic just doesn't mean better. So the comment that she made that, you know, something's toxic to the body, that really means nothing. And it's stuff like this that gets out there and people see it, especially people who are vulnerable to this, who might be younger, who might not know, who might not have access to people around them where they can ask the questions like, is this really accurate or not? They get scared and they get freaked out. And now they're spending money on a product that might be more expensive because it's organic and better. And yet they're struggling to pay for other things. So for that, I would say clitorally, can we please stop with these clickbait TikToks and panicking over things that I don't really need to panic on? Okay. All right. So then the period underwear lawsuit enters the chat and more panic ensues. Let's break that down. So Thinks, which is a brand of period underwear, announced in January 2023 that they settled a lawsuit over chemicals in their underwear called PFAS. PFAS. And I'm going to try and say it. It's per and polyfluoroalkyl substances. Just back to organic chemistry and it scared me. Maybe it's inorganic chemistry if there's no carbon. Anyway, I'm going to stop right now. So what happened was in 2020, an independent investigation showed that these chemicals were found in the underwear. And these are what we call forever chemicals. That means they never break down. They are found in everything around us, you guys, like cosmetics, cleaning products, packages of food. They're everywhere. And that doesn't mean that they're good. They can absolutely be hormone disruptors. And yes, studies have showed it linked to issues like cancer, but it's got to be said that these were in animals and at really high, high, high doses. So we can't make the jump that because a rat was exposed to an insane level of PFAS that us being exposed to it in period underwear is going to cause the same thing. But I can hear your concern. I get it. And so for this underwear, we don't know if those chemicals remain in the underwear or if it washes away after a few weeks or if they even get absorbed. And so this lawsuit, because when people heard that, they're like, oh my God, this is things admitting that these chemicals are dangerous. That's not it at all. The lawsuit was over the marketing because Thinks said they were organic. And it was not because they admitted that any danger was identified. And Thinks says that they did not add these chemicals. They were not part of the process. So how they got there, who knows? The take-home message, you are almost certainly exposed to more of these sorts of chemicals from things like paper plates, carpet, food packaging, shampoo, than you are from your period underwear. If that worries you, there's a class action lawsuit. You can figure out how to get some money back. I think most of these underwear sell for like $35 a pair. And I think you can get like 5 to $7 back. I don't know. It's something. But if you love your underwear and you feel okay with this, knowing what I've just explained, then it is also probably okay to continue using them. And if the data ever changes, we will change with it. But there's a lot to be said for not panicking over things that we hear in the news. Okay, so do you feel overwhelmed? <laughs> and you're like, Dr. Jen, just tell me what to use. The good answer is that it probably doesn't really matter. And I do want to hit on something called period poverty. Period poverty, you might be wondering, why am I talking about this? The caller asked nothing about this, but it's related. So period poverty is the lack of access to menstrual products or education, or the hygiene facilities, the waste management, or a combination of all of these in order to have a dignified, healthy period. And this may sound like you think, oh, this happens to people in like poor countries really far away. It's not the truth. So half a billion people every year are affected from period poverty worldwide. And yes, it happens in the United States. So in the U.S., a 2018 study showed that one in four menstruators struggled to purchase period products in the past year. One in five low-income menstruators had to miss work or school because of lack of supplies in the United States. And 68% of U.S. college students who experience period poverty also experience moderate to severe depression. That's really bad. And what we know as SNAP or food stamps, 
they can't be used to purchase period products. And in a lot of states, it's still considered a luxury item, meaning that it's subject to the same luxury tax that for people who buy diamonds and yachts and are not exempt from other things like food, it's not considered essential. Why am I bringing this up? Because it is fine if you want to buy organic, but I want to level set here. Now I'm using corporate speak and I apologize. I want to level set and step back for a moment and think how lucky are we that we have the ability and the privilege to even ask these things and ask these questions. And in the grand scheme of things, thinking about Maybe if you didn't buy organic and you bought a more affordable product, if you felt comfortable with that, think of that money or the donation or what you could do to help somebody else. I just, I just want to acknowledge our privilege when we're even answering this question. So in the end, organic and natural are very overhyped terms, not for just period products, but for a lot of things in general. Use what you feel comfortable with, but don't feel guilty if you can't afford the products you think you should be using. Don't let people on TikTok freak you out. Please, please, please. I will say this in probably every episode. And period poverty, it sucks. And I think it's the real problem here. As always, I will have some references in my show notes. If this has inspired another question for you, go ahead and call in and let me know. I love diving into this sort of stuff, but I hope that your periods are cramp-free, painless, and filled with less stress now that you've listened to this episode. Okay, it's that time where I ask you to rate, review, and follow on your favorite podcast app because we know that's how we get more people talking. So call in at 503-893-2016 and join me online at Dr. Jennifer Lincoln. So let's keep the conversation going, my friends. Call in, leave a question, and know that it's okay to have questions about your body and we're gonna answer them. 